Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the 8020 series. New episodes released every Monday at 8:20 a.m. I'm your host, Jeremy, and I'm Daniel. And on this podcast, we like to break down what we call the 20 factor, the motivation that drives a person to do what they love to do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the best podcast in the world. And today we have a very, very special guest. So in SoCal, in Southern California, when you think of Asian fusion dining, there's a few restaurants that come to mind. At least in my opinion, if I had to recommend you a restaurant, I would think of Soup Noodle Bar, Vox Kitchen, Gem Dining. And it's so crazy. To my bewilderment, I just found out that these are all under the same company. It's one mastermind behind all of these amazing restaurants. And today, we have that mastermind here, Viet Nguyen. Let's give him a warm welcome. Woo-hoo. Thanks so much, guys, for inviting me of to course. the podcast. Yeah. So when you start a big project like that, like a restaurant, to make it successful, in my mind, I feel like you have to put everything into it. And how do you have so many projects going on and how are they all successful? Because all of these places, to paint you a picture, guys, they all have a two to three hour line in front of them. Like, yeah. I'm always waiting. Yeah. No, I mean, for, for us, I think we have a secret recipe and our secret recipe would be our team members, Okay. our staff. So we heavily invest in all of our staff, um, especially from the very get-go, I spend so much of my time looking for the right partners. And so in the whole entire group right now, we started out with four uh, founding, uh, founding members. We, for, for, it started out with just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my wife at that time was girlfriend, uh-huh. um, but now it's my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so we look for two more partners, one for the front of house, which is all the guest experience. And then the uh, the other side would be the kitchen, would be the back of house. Right. Um, and so once we start with those four, and then it start to go down the list um, and start bringing in a lot of talent. Um, but I would say the second secret recipes that we have for our group would be creating a pathway for anybody mm-hmm. um, in the future could become partner. Because if, if you mm. you go without uh, having a pathway for all of them, um, then it's it's kind of like the saying: uh, if you want to go fast, go alone; if you want to go far, go together. Oh, okay. uh, so we set out to create this platform mm-hmm. instead of just a restaurant or a brand. We created more of a uh, platform so that everybody or every talent can come and join right. and use the same platform to get from an idea from a piece of napkin to obviously you see two, yeah, three hours all the restaurants. Right, all right. the restaurants. And so that's our secret recipe. It's just the uh, very strong system. And um, to start off would be the team members. Right. Really quick. How many team members do you have under you across the board for all of your businesses? Uh, right now we have about 550. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we started out in 2014 with um, me uh-huh. and uh, four other guys uh, as the first few prep cooks. Um, but then, you know, start hiring about 20-something. Mm-hmm. So that was in t- 2014. Dang. Okay, wait. We got to go like super, super backtrack. So this um, platform that, you're cre- that you've created is essentially K-concepts, right? Key-concepts. Key-concepts. Key concepts. Okay. Uh, fun fact is... Uh, we named it after our daughter mm-hmm. after she was born. So, um, you know, we didn't know what to put it under. We mm-hmm. come up with different names. Mm-hmm. But once she was born and my wife was like, well, we're building this whole entire thing for her. Yeah. Right? Right. 
So let's just call it, you know, key as a key concept. Gotcha. I like that. Kira. I like mm-hmm. that. I like so, it. Hell yeah. You have all of this stuff. What is your talent by a trade? Like, are you a businessman or are you a chef or what's like, what's your bread and butter? Well, I, I consider myself more of a uh, student mm-hmm. of uh, restaurant industry. Um, but I always been a, a curious kid of learning different things. Mm-hmm. I uh-huh. started out in the business world. My family's always been into business. So I actually went to school for a little bit for finance. I never actually finished it. I dropped out. <laughs> Wait, what school? Yeah. Um, so I went to Glendale Community College. Gotcha. And I transferred to Fullerton College mm-hmm. um, because I, I love OC. So I transferred. Gotcha, here. gotcha. Um, I wanted to go to Fullerton, uh-huh. um, Cal State Fullerton. I never made it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was it. But during that time was just finance was like the thing that I really wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I found out that I'm really bad at school. Like I just, it was horrible at school. Um, but I was very interested in working with people. Okay. And okay. so it's just like my trade. I always fall back into the restaurant industry. I started out as a busser, so mm-hmm. more front of house. Right. Mm-hmm. But because I love eating, so I always wanted to find out how they they made the food, mm-hmm. being a curious child. Um, so I randomly signed up for Le uh, Cordon Bleu uh, in Pasadena okay. um, to go to like classical training, French cuisine. And then I found out it's $40,000 for the whole course. I'm like, this Ooh. is way more expensive than I can afford. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to sign up and learn the basic courses uh-huh. and I'm going to bounce. So that's what I did. <laughs> um, but at that time was also because I came here as an international student. I didn't really plan to stay in the U.S. Yeah. I'm like, maybe it's just, just don't even pay. <laughs> to put on a credit card, yeah. learn like a couple of courses, yeah, and then yeah. like uh-huh. just, just close the credit cards down. <laughs> and so that's what I did. So uh-huh. do not recommend doing that. <laughs> destroy your yeah, disclaimer, everybody. Your this disclaimer. is not financial advice. Do not <laughs> ever do that. But um, so at the school, I found out that um, I was actually always top class. Oh, so okay. you know, so knowing that I was capable of being a chef. Um, I, so I just went straight to one of my favorite instructor. Mm-hmm. I say, I like you. You seem like you, you know, really care for for your for your students. Right. And I really like your style. Um, and so out of all the instructor, I chose that guy. And, and his name is Jimmy Wang. And we still keep in contact. Wow. And so he is now, luckily, the director of culinary at Panda Express. Oh, wow. What? So he's like really up there. And so we bounce ideas of each other. And so at that time, I I, I called him and I say, I'm not going to follow through with culinary school. It is way too expensive. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll do this. How about I work for you mm-hmm. any hours you like. You can pay me anything you like. Yeah, yeah. And you teach me everything. And I'll work for you as much as I could. Wow. Right. Wow. So that was the deal. And he gave me a chance and, you know, um, I learned so much from him. And so doing that and on the side, obviously at that time I was still programming. Mm-hmm. So uh, at that time I was uh, getting involved with a company called POS Lavu, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the first few um, iPad based 
um, POS system for restaurants mm-hmm. because I feel like if I really want to get into this industry, I need to know everything. Right. Yeah. Um, so not just the front of house, not just the back of house, but how do I run this business in a very um, technologically advanced way? Right. And so I want to know everything about POS system. So I was doing programming on the side. Yeah. Um, and so that scored me a job with um, Kitchen Nightmare and House Kitchen uh, what? program. And so at that time, so they kind of knew about me a little bit. And um, so when Gordon Ramsay opened the Fat Cow in L.A., mm-hmm. um, they asked me to come and install the POS system for them. Oh, and wow. so that's how I kind of just kind of stuck around okay. um, in that circle and uh, start doing everything in that um, kitchen and learned a lot more. Were and, you able to train and work directly with Gordon Ramsay himself? I saw him a few times, mm-hmm. um, but never really directly under him, but directly under his um um, chef, right. gotcha. so his executive chef, and um, so on the other side of the partnership of the Fat Cow at that time, um, they brought in um, the owner of Serendipity. You know, like mm-hmm. the pink restaurant yeah, yeah, in yeah. front of um, the Strip, yeah. Serendipity Three, and so they were the other side of the partnership, and they brought in uh, one of the other um, director, mm-hmm. and I was able to learn a lot from her, mm-hmm. and so that was when I kind of cracked down everything I was like. It's not as hard as I thought. It's uh-huh. just very, very time-consuming. Yeah. Really, yeah. Like, it's a lot of hours. Right. Um, but by doing that, I, I was kind of, like, figuring everything out. Like, quick question. So, as you were telling us that story, it seems like you're kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. How did you have time for mm-hmm. all that? I mean, you went to a culinary school. You said you were doing programming as well. And then you were working for somebody saying, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever hour. How are you able to balance so many different things? Because I feel like even one of those areas, you need to dedicate a lot of time to really excel in it. Just don't have a relationship. (laughs) Wait, but didn't you have a girlfriend or did you, were you single? So how old were you at this time too? Yeah. uh, Everybody be single. Well, during that time I was, I was, um, I was just very, I was just a very wild Uh kid. Like I was, my whole entire family is very structured. I think that was one of the reasons why too. My whole entire family was extremely structured. Everybody going through school, right. everyone worked for the company. There's mm-hmm. like a structure in place. Right. And I was one of those kids that always get into trouble. Uh-huh. Like I always even like, I don't know, I never eat their food. I like, I don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so at 16, I'm like, you know what? You don't like me. I'm out of here. Like <laughs> I, so I just applying for New Zealand. I applied to Australia, England, America, just. The U.S. just happened to call me first. So yeah. I came in, I passed the interview. I'm like, bye. Bye. <laughs> that, that was it. Just and like then that. so I just packed my bags and I come here. Um, yeah. First day I come. Second day I start looking for a job immediately. Wow. I'm like, I'm not going to stay home. I'm, I'm, I want to do something else. I want to I want to explore. And so the second day I came to the U.S., um, I found a job at a Vietnamese restaurant, a food oh. restaurant. It was to be H- how old are you at this time? 16. 16? And yeah. like, did you already have family out in the U.S. or you just came on? Yeah, I have an um, aunt, uncle, um, okay. and a couple of uh, cousins that live in a house. Um, so I, I came um, knowing that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like have a, a house already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I came, I was kind of living with them for like a year. And then after that, I bounced too. So at 17, I, I, I started getting out gotcha so i have a random question so you said you know during the time you know obviously you were single so that gave you more opportunity yeah Mm -hmm. to to uh you know do things that you were passionate about but um obviously as you get older i've heard from a lot of successful entrepreneurs that sometimes it's the significant other that 
it becomes that extra driving motivation and it replaces everything else. And I've heard this amongst so many different people. And it's like, as they get older, they're like, Daniel, you need to find a girlfriend. You need to find a wife because that's Mm -hmm. who holds it down. And that's kind of like the next step of motivation that you use to really propel your businesses. And so do you kind of see, was that kind of like what helped you? Because I mean, talking to you about like how you named key concept after your daughter and everything, it seems like that's the case for you as well. Yeah. So as a child growing up, I I was very lucky that I was born into a pretty well-off family at that mm-hmm. time. Um, so my my parents, you know, always have the means to kind of raise me. So I was getting proper education. Um, the other thing I didn't have, though, was their time. And so they were never home, um, you know. They, they're home every weekend. Um, so we went out to eat every weekend. Um, but that was pretty much it. That was my whole entire relationship, mm-hmm. with, you know, within my family. Uh, we don't really talk much. But growing up, because my, my dad was a CEO of, of um, my other company in Vietnam, mm-hmm. um, our family company. And my mom was helping him. So see, like I go to work and I go to their work and I see how they you know, act and the things I learned are mainly from my dad, mm, you know, so uh, growing up, seeing how he was the CEO, uh, aspire me to like, m- later on, I wanted to be a CEO as well. Right. Um, because I felt like, you know, we were born in such um, a privilege, um, a situation mm-hmm. that we should create more jobs, do more things for the community. And so that was my thinking. Um but when I was growing up, I was still very confused of what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. Um, and I, you know, growing up in, in class, I was always the loner. I never really had any friends mm-hmm. um, because the way that I talk to, the way I think is very different from the way that my classmates are mm-hmm. at that time were thinking. Mm-hmm. And so if they like if we're sitting down, if they were talk, trying to talk, like, hey, you know what, you know, we're going to play soccer. What do you think about this <laughs> per, you know, player and that player or like that girl? And I was more interested in talking about, you know, income in, in, inequality. Mm, I was God, more interested in, right. you know, how do we improve our laws and regulations and what can we do for the community? Mm-hmm. Um, I was always interested in the politicians the politics of it all yeah um philosophies and like that was more of my thing right i wanted to talk more about that i want to talk more about fine arts Mm -hmm. i want to talk more about art in general like that's just and so i couldn't find anybody to talk to right and it was almost impossible for me to find anyone that i can talk about that Mm -hmm. um and then so um, well, to correct, like it's not trying not to get into a relationship. I always had a relationship. It's just for them, I did tell them that I'm this person where right. I'm driven to do this. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to hang out, you come to me. Yeah. She has to respect the hustle, right? Yeah. So like if you come to me and, you know, you understand that I work seven days a week, yeah. then, then we're cool. But if you're like, oh, can you take me to shopping? Or like, when we, <laughs> like, not right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at that time, that was so. That's why I was always like, my relationship has never been kind of stable. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. like we always run into problem of me putting my work first, mm-hmm. and then so I would not recommend it. So that, <laughs> scratch you ever scratch yeah. <laughs> So I don't, I don't recommend it. But if you're driven for something, I feel like you should just focus on it. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, to go back to the question that you asked, you know, how do I find all that time was because of that. Because right. even all of my um, exes knew that if they want to spend time with me, they, they come to me. Right. Um, but we all, we, we, we have fun too. Right. It's just not, I would say I never spend enough time with them mm-hmm. and I feel bad about it. Um, but that's also how I grew up. Like right. my parents never really spent time with me. Um, so, but I think also because of that too, one thing that they taught me very early on helped me a lot was uh, they always bring me to um, the bookstore. And the mm-hmm. bookstore was my getaway. Okay. Because I could not discuss whatever that I wanted to discuss about with anyone. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was just, it just made my books. Gotcha. So, so growing up was I spend every single day, at least two to three hours every single day mm-hmm. um, after school at the bookstore. Wow. What, at what age did you start realizing the conversations going through your head and your ideas that you wanted to talk about and converse were different from what everyone had in mind? I was like seven, six, seven years old. I already kind of figured wow. out I was very different. I was just a very different child. Like right. I, just, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't have fun. Like mm-hmm. I, when I hang out with my friend, I didn't have fun. Mm-hmm. Like they all they want to talk about was something else, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And I was trying to like even at seven years old, I always, you know, drag my dad up to the because we have so in Vietnam we we have you know like multi tier uh, uh, level houses, uh-huh. and so we have the balcony upstairs, and every day I would have the same conversation with my dad. I'm like, why are we so privilege mm-hmm. and why are they because at that time i you can literally walk out to the balcony look right. down and you can see homeless people right everywhere and i was like why are they not having what we're having mm-hmm. and why are we so privileged like right. what give us that right right mm-hmm. and then so my dad was always um the person who told me that this is the world that we live in, but it's up to us to accept for what it is or you're going to go change it. So right. if you think that that is unacceptable to you, don't complain about it. Right. Figure out a solution and you go fix it. Mm. Wow, that's deep. Like that, Yeah, and that's, that's at like, like six years old. Like yeah. I'm talking with my dad during that time. So now I'm talking to Kira in a very, uh, in, just in the same way. You know, if she asked me about something, um, then, uh, you know, the, the same conversation, I talked to her if, as if she was already 21. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I was very young, I was able to comprehend what mm-hmm. my dad talked to me about. And I think because my dad was a CEO too, the conversation was very different than gotcha. any other kid. Um, right. So I was very, um, I would say fortunate in that sense. Yeah, gotcha. That's wild. So I, I always tell everyone being a product of your environment is a big, big thing. And for you, do you feel like your dad's influence as a CEO drove those conversations? As, especially because like you, when you're hanging out with kids and other kids, you don't want to talk about no. like the sports and yeah. stuff like you on, on that same note. What do you think drives you to see a change in the world? Because there's other people who like having different conversations, for example, like, how do I make more money? Yeah. How mm-hmm. do I do this better? Yeah. And for you, it's like it sounds like you're very passionate about the problems going on in the world. Like, yeah. what do you feel like drove you into that corner? Um, growing up was a lot of tears, a lot of fighting. My mom and that never really got proper education. So my mom's side was very, very poor. Her family was very problematic too. Her dad has two wives and obviously, you know, 
my my real grandma at that time was um you know actually in the US mm-hmm. my mom was my mom and two the two other sister actually got left back mm-hmm. during um the Vietnam war they they they, they escaped and so, and on the way, and she would grab a, like a random kit on the side and mm-hmm. grab it with her and brought them all to the U.S. So I have two um, aunts mm-hmm. in the U.S. with my real grandma and my other two real aunts in Vietnam. And so knowing all of that and this complex um, situation, and then my my gra- my grandpa actually got remarried to mm-hmm. another um, lady, and they have a bunch of kids. And on my that side, the same. So it's a very complex family. I have mm-hmm. over eighty something plus cousins. Oh wow! That, a lot of them I still don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so growing up being super complex, and then so my dad side was very well off, mm-hmm. very well off, um, and you know. When I, it's really weird waking up. So weekends, I would spend it at one day at my grand on my dad's side, and mm-hmm. one day would be at my my uh-huh. mom's side. My 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 dad's side always come first, so I always check up with them and like, okay, which day do I go to that side? Mm-hmm. And so I always ask my dad too, like, why did your side always get to pick first? Which day I hang out there? Mm. And I well because it's it's that time yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I found out later on because they're they're very privileged and they're very well off, so mm-hmm. they get to pick right. right. So, um, so usually Sunday, so they pick Sunday. So Saturday, then my grandpa would actually come and pick me up on a very cheap broken down bike. Mm-hmm. I have to jump into the front. Yeah. And there's like four or five well, my cousin in the same car, and we drove down to one of the projects. So they live in a project. Yeah. So drive out to project, and I have to pass through a bunch of like staircase with like yeah. feces and homeless people everywhere, and I have to go upstairs. And we technically the whole entire dinner would only have like one thing, mm-hmm. and then just rice and and fish sauce and and. Um, everybody was sleeping on the floor. Right, right. Uh, we didn't have any bed um, over there. But I equally enjoying my time there. Yeah. Rather than on Sunday when I come home, then there's a sofa come around with right. with a like a really that's one of the most expensive SUV you can yeah. find in Vietnam and, and and pick us up and I would go to this almost like a mansion <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah. And then we would spend like a a, a lunch or a dinner there with twenty different courses on the table. Right. Dang. And so it's like seeing both sides, it's kind of like made me always think about income inequality. Mm. And so I always, it's always bugged me that my mom is crying all the time, not having right. enough money to feed. So my mom was feeding the whole entire uh, that side because none of them work. Yeah. And my grandpa, because after um, the Vietnam War, he actually worked for um, the U.S. government before. So he mm. technically didn't get any benefit. So that's why all of the people that work for the U.S. government get put into one same project. Oh, I see. And so technically almost like a, like a punishment for mm, okay. being with the U.S. Do government. Do this. Um, so seeing all of that and seeing the world around me and then, you know, I want to go to school. Uh, I went to public school. Um, not private school. Um, so seeing all of my friends coming into school and a lot of them didn't finish homework. Mm-hmm. And they always at the bottom of the class. And I was always top of the class because I did nothing. All I do was waking up, study, go to school, and that's it. Right. And them, 
when I found out why they did, they never finished their homework in the morning, they wake up at four or five a.m. in the morning, help their parents at the market. Mm, they have to do, um, you know, they have to run on the street doing um, shoe shining. Right. You know, until like six, seven, they go to class. At, like then they have no time. Go right. home at three, and they have to start helping their their, their parents. Right. And I go to all their houses. Their houses literally, the whole entire family of eight is living in a rooms half the size. Wow. Jeez. And seeing all of that really bugged the hell out of me every single day. And I always felt like there has to be something that I could do. Right. Right. Because, you know, coming from a privileged family, um, you know, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, knowing that in Vietnam, it was just almost impossible for me to do anything. Mm-hmm. It was just like I was always going to being hit with roadblocks and you know, the politicians are, you know, it's not that great. Right, right. Um, and so I don't know. And then like just being a very weird child, like when I go to my 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 mom's side, mm-hmm. I always look at them like I wish I could do something, but I right, can't. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I go back to my my dad's side, I'm like, why are they so why do they have everything? Right, right. Right. So I I'm a, a loner everywhere. I'm a loner at my dad's side Mm -hmm. i'm a loner at my mom's side i was a loner at school and i could not fit in anywhere Mm -hmm. Um, and i i already felt like okay i need to do something with my life otherwise i'm gonna go crazy i'm i'm already like going insane right i can't focus at school like sitting at school like i keep keep thinking about what can i do Mm -hmm. you know because this is the rate of information at school, which is way too slow for yeah. me. <laughs> way too slow. Like, I have to wait. Like, why do I have to wait to find out how this equ- equation works right, tomorrow? Right. No, I want to know now. Yeah. Like, that was my <laughs> personality. Was like, no, I want to know now. Like, everything is instant. I want to know now. And uh, so when I, I found out that in the other part of the world, you can actually study at your own pace. <laughs> you can actually pick your class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can actually... They have office hours? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> when, how do we not have that? Yeah, like, yeah. So you can, you telling me that after school, you get to stay back at school mm-hmm. and go into your teacher's office and ask any question you want. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> like, I want that, yeah, right? Yeah. And then, so I started signing up for all these countries and then obviously the U.S. called me and then, mm-hmm. you know, that's the first thing I came to the U.S. The first thing, like, all right, I'm going to get a job. Yeah. I'm not going to ask my parents for any money except for tuition, which they already pay. Mm-hmm. I want to feed myself. I'm going to figure out my own life. And I'm going to figure out how I'm going to fix the world that we live in right now that's so broken. Right. And I'm going to go back to Vietnam. I'm going to be a politician some, some, somewhere down the line. Like, that's my, my thinking, right? <laughs> but I'm going to go study. I'm going to go back. I'm going to open a company. I'm going to do a, a, a nonprofit organization. Like, that's my 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 goal was like i don't have to worry about money you know yeah. my parents got money like <laughs> i just need to do charity like right. that's all i wanted to do mm-hmm. so so that's what like that that was the original intention the original intention was to get out because i was like a loner everywhere right. and i didn't fit into that country mm-hmm. and i fell in love with america when i first came in like i i literally go to school the first day and like this is this is it yeah like this like all the teachers come and welcome me i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> and like they like they literally like oh you know you need anything like yeah. what so nice so nice <laughs> yeah. and then you get to have a counselor yeah. <laughs> that actually like you can talk to yeah. about your life I'm yeah. like what the 
And that, that's, that's just amazing to me. So like how you're speaking and what you're delivering, what you're passionate about makes you sound exactly like the next politician like for Vietnam, right? Yeah. How did you decide that your weapon to make this change was going to be food? So that was a, a long, long, long way to kind of figure that out. Um, so, well, at first I was just here to study, um, try to think, like try to soak in all of the information. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that day. I still remember that vividly. So that was September. I don't know the exact day, but that was the first week of September when I started school. Mm-hmm. And I joined this class called Life Skills. Okay. And then so this one teacher, and she was Vietnamese, and she was actually a boat person. She came here when she was three. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, she, you know, I'm like, why is your English so perfect? <laughs> and, I, I, you know, at that time, I did I couldn't speak any English. I didn't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how to put sentences together. I don't know how to deliver my thoughts. Um, and so I came in and I look at her. I'm like, wow, you're so good. You're so good. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, everybody, you're going to bring up a laptop. And then so at that time, I'm like, a laptop? <laughs> you have a laptop in a classroom? Yeah. And then so we opened up and that was my first experience with um, an Apple machine. I'd never had, wow. I've never seen an Apple. I've never seen a laptop like that. Mm-hmm. And I open it and she's like, okay, I need you all to know something in this life skills class. I'm going to teach you uh-huh. how to look for information. Wait, say that again. So you saying to me mm-hmm. that you can open a laptop <laughs> and ask something and it will tell you information right <laughs> and she's like that is correct uh-huh. and i'll show you how yeah and then she was like okay you're gonna go to yahoo.com <laughs> not even google yeah. yahoo.com i'm like okay yahoo.com wait where's the internet comes from uh-huh. <laughs> i'm like it's wi-fi i'm like okay so it's wirelessly connected to the internet right the moment you turn on your machine amazing like what <laughs> tell, me, tell me what and i was i was 16 i was so dumbfounded about all of these things right and it's so amazing i so i typed in the first thing i typed in vietnam i remember that like vietnam and it showed me everything mm-hmm. and i'm like dude and then, like, I start typing everything in, uh-huh. and I see it's spitting out information. I'm like, this is amazing. Right. Like, this, I've never, like, I didn't know about this, right? Mm-hmm. In Vietnam, the experience of um, internet was mainly, like, sending e-gift cards, mm-hmm. e-cards. Like, that was the extent of it. I, there was a lot of things was being blocked. Every time that I have to connect to the internet, I have to go out and buy a card. Mm-hmm. I have to scratch the card yeah. to punch it in. I have right. to wait until somebody hang up the phone. Yeah. I have to connect it in and it take me like a freaking half an hour just to set it up. Wow. And I can only use for like 15 minutes and run out of card. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Um, so <clears throat> here you get unlimited internet. You're wirelessly connected to it and you can just have a laptop and you can ask it a question <laughs> and it will spit out all the information in the world. This is the rate of information that I want. Right. Like, I no longer have to wait for any teacher to tell me, no, I'm going to tell you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, I want to know now, <laughs> you know? And so um, I was just going at a, such a, a fast pace. Mm-hmm. So I usually just finish all of it. You know, I finished school at like four point something in high school. And so I was like, this is so easy. And then so I literally want to learn more. Um, and so I was on the 
trajectory of just learn one new thing every day. Um, and then so that's when I got curious about programming and you know learn a little more about it, um, learn more about JavaScript and all that. So that was that was the whole story of it. Um, so that was me trying to escape coming here, fighting that the information rate could be a lot faster than right. school. And so do not recommend this. <laughs> you have to finish your school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at that time, I was just the rate of information that being downloaded to me is being limited by three things. Mm-hmm. My physical strength. Mm-hmm. So as long as I can keep my eyes awake, right. I can learn more information, which is amazing to me. <laughs> so I just need to sleep less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, if I work three times as hard as other people, I would be able to com- accomplish, you know, in four months what I achieve in a year. Same yeah. with what uh, Elon said. Um, the second thing, the, the second limitation is, do I have enough income to cover my um cover my butt so that i can you know um just just study more learn more right, right. um and then so it's i'm limited in how much i could do and then so i still have to go to work school right. and learn at the same time and the third thing is my english my english was my like language was the only thing i knew how to say was like yes no thank you mm-hmm. like a few sentences like i didn't English was something so out there for me. Like I could not communicate. No one understood what right. I was trying to say. And so I was like, okay, language. All right. And so I approached the, um, the teacher, the Vietnamese teacher in life skills class. And I'm like, I want to speak like you mm-hmm. in a year. Yeah. My deadline is a year. What can I do? Right. And she's like, you asking me, but are you ready for the answer? I'm like, wait, what are you trying to do? <laughs> is this a trick question? Yeah, is that a trick question? Yeah. Like, what, what's going on? They're so like, yes, I'm ready. I'm like, okay, by saying ready, that means that you do not hang out with anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't get to eat lunch with your friends. And you will be speaking and you will be learning English at home constantly. Right. And you would never, ever have time for anything else. This is your path. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Deal. Done. I'm like, okay, so every lunch I want you to come and sit with me. So every lunch when I have break, every single break, I would mm-hmm. come and meet her. I would sit next to her and I talk to her every single lunch. Right. I don't care if she's eating. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to bug the hell out of you <laughs> until. So she was like, she was, she was taking her break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eating and like talking to me at the same time. And right. I like, try to correct my grammar, my English. And like, you need to have a tape recorder. You have to get a mirror. I'm mm-hmm. like, mirror? I'm like, yes, mirror. Whatever that I'm teaching you, you're going to take home. You're going to read it. And you're going to act as if you were me explaining right. to your other kids. Um, and then so I drilled myself for a whole year. And uh, by the end of the year, I remember I was able to hold a whole entire conversation. I was being able to give a speech. What? Um, by the end of the year to um, my fellow classmates. And, right. Um, I was, I felt, so that was my first hurdle. I, I passed them. So my English was still not good, mm-hmm. um, but at least people understand what I was trying right. to say. Um, I learned, I have to learn a lot more vocabs, read more. And so now it's just the other two, right? Finance and, um, you know, how much I sleep mm-hmm. so I can control that. So. Gotcha. So after doing all of that through school and figuring out that you, you went through that, uh, culinary school a little bit, a uh, part-time too. How did you just start up 
like we're fast forwarding now to 2014. How did you start up Sup Noodle Bar? Well, I didn't think of it as starting up Soup Noodle Bar. So in 2019, something happened. I'm sorry, 2009. 2009, um, I was doing a, a buster at a, at a Vietnamese restaurant. Um, actually, it's, it's helped them out with some server shift. Um, and it's called Fans 55 in, in Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt at that time actually got a job in L.A., um, the, and I, when I first came to the U.S., I li- kind of lived with her. Oh, and we yeah. kind of went separate ways because, you know, I was always searching for the next things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so she was like, there's a restaurant for sale, and it's called Pho Pastor in Rosemead. Gotcha. And I know that you've been working at restaurants since ever you got here. You know, obviously, I, I don't want to do it myself. Do you want to do it with me? And so I'm like, okay, well, I can I can help you run it. I mean, obviously, I don't have any money or anything, but you know, if you buy it, then I'll help you. Mm-hmm. And so in 2009, so they they purchased that, and then so they brought in also my other aunt and uncle to kind of help with the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But I didn't I didn't really agree on a lot of things that they do. Um, at that time, we're still underpaying employees, and mm-hmm. they really get no breaks. And obviously, the tax structure wasn't right, and mm-hmm. everything else was like not the way that I wanted. I feel like the working condition was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I raised it multiple times. I had a lot of disagreements. And um, and so at the end of 2010, um, you know, that relationship kind of got, got really broken. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, I would like to say that I quit, but I think they fired me. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that time, I just, you know, was really confused and I felt like everything that I worked toward was kind of lost. Um, at that time, what I was also out of status because you know, in two, when you finish or when you drop out of school, right, right, you're not supposed oh, to stay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was technically an illegal immigrant <laughs> for eight years. <laughs> for two, eight years, since 2008. Oh, so 2008, I dropped out. I start working more at a restaurant. In 2009, we have that restaurant, mm-hmm. and I didn't get my student uh, my green card until 2016. Wow. So for all that time, I was technically just working anywhere. I was knocking on a lot of doors. It's so funny. I, I a lot of the people that I used to work for now, I talk to. It's funny because I was trying to look for a job, anything, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and it never really worked out and they could never pay me um, the right amount because right, it's right. just cash. Um, so uh, that was just me trying to search for the next thing. So at that time when I got fired in 2010, I was literally calling all of my friends. I'm like, hey, um, you know, you got a place to stay. Because mm-hmm. um, if, if, you know, if you don't, um, you know, if you if you have a, a place to stay, I would like to come there and, 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 and live with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a few friends say that, you know, we don't have a couch. I'm like, I'm okay with a couch. Yeah. And, but I have something to tell you. I have a girlfriend with me at that time. Uh, <laughs> so oh, like, um, yeah. Maybe yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. And then so at that time, there's one um, one friend. His name is Jung. Um, and he also has a two-room apartment. Mm-hmm. But he has a, a small closet that is in the front. No windows, nothing. But I say, well, I mean, if you don't mind, since you have a girlfriend, uh-huh. I think you should be in the in a closet instead. <laughs> so let me clear it out. Uh-huh. I still have a picture of it. I t- took a picture oh, wow. of it that night. So it's about wow. six feet by six feet. Uh, no bed, nothing. Um, so we just, I had uh, luggage with me. And so we just kind of lay all the clothes on the floor and we slept on the clothes. Wow. Dang. And so this is in 2000, um, so December 13, 2011. That's crazy. Oh my God. 
I still have that um, that date. And so at that time, I, I felt like a failure. I left my parents down. I told them I quit school. They were mad at me. We don't talk for like uh, two years. Um, they didn't send me any more money. Um, my my siblings kind of despite me at that time. I I didn't I didn't know what to do. I, mm-hmm. My life was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back to Vietnam because I was just going to come back a failure. You know, I left the country thinking I would be successful and I will come back. I help people. If I'm come back right now, it's just going to be a burden to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so at that time, I was like, okay, well, I got nothing left. I mean, I literally at that time, I have 300 bucks in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I told them, can I not pay you guys rent? Um, I'll, I'll promise I'll, I'll pay it back when I have enough. Right. Um, and so they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, get whatever you have. Um, so my girlfriend at that time, so she's like, well, I'm a U.S. citizen. I can go get a job. So she mm-hmm. was working at that time. And um, I was just literally home, just not knowing what to do with my life mm-hmm. for like a good uh, few months. And I call every single restaurant at that time. But the bad thing is in 2009, 2010, during that time was due to financial crisis. Ah, right, so there right, was right. a lot of things going on. So no one's really hiring. Yeah. yeah. And so from all of that experience, and that's when I start working for, um, I start, because I have so much time, I start programming a lot more. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got involved with all uh, the programming and um, work for, at that time, that's when I start calling Shep Wang mm-hmm. and say, hey, can I work okay. for you right, right. more and stuff like that. So there was a lot of things going on during that time, that yeah. woke up time. Um, and then I landed a job with Gordon Ramsay and doing all the other things. And once I figure out that, you know, I can write a business plan and raise money, um, I asked my dad in 2013, I'm like, I know at that time, my dad and my parents are having a hard time too. So they have to sell their house. So they sold their house. Um, they have a little bit of money left, but they say like, your, your, your siblings, they're still studying in the U.S. It's still 60K a, a year for them. Mm-hmm. If you take the rest of the money, then they're probably going to be out of money for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, me and my siblings, we got into almost like a disagreement. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like, just trust me on this. I'll, I'll work my, my butt off. I'll, I'll yeah. raise the rest of the money. Give me 200K. I'll raise the rest and, you know, uh, give me one more chance. I, I promise I'm not going to mess it up. Um, so 2014, we'll open Soup in the Bar. The rest of history. Dang. Wow. So, like, where, where does that confidence come from? Like, how did you know, like, this is going to be it and you're going to be able to, like, plow through everything? Because, like, 200K is no small number. And you need, like, you need, like, a huge level of confidence to commit to, like, and you have family on the line. Yeah, but at that time, I knew that either do or die for me. Right. Because I, I fail at so many other businesses. I try to invest in so many things and all failed. Um, and I, I promised myself I would never, ever leave the restaurant until the work is done. Mm-hmm. And so in 2014, when I first opened Soup Noodle Bar, um, all of the staff know that I sleep at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I have an air bed in the back. Right. And so when I first met my wife right now, which is at that time my girlfriend, Ivy, um, when she wanted to hang out with me, she comes to the restaurant. Mm. And it's funny, the first time that we actually, you know, um, hang out and, you know, she decided to kind of stay back and kind of just spend more time with me was in the back of the kitchen. So we just have an air bed in the back. We didn't do anything funny. 
right? It's a workplace, guys. It's a workplace. workplace. It's work. <laughs> but it was so airbed, so I pumped airbed, and so we try to like lay down and we talk about, you know, I talk, I talked to her about my dream. I told her, you know, I, I don't have anything, um, but if you believe in me, um, you know, we can make something out of it. Yeah. And then so she was. I don't know what she was thinking. And then she was like, okay, are we going to do this? We're going to do it together. Right. Um, so the next couple of months, I took her to Macy's and I told her, I don't have anything right now, but I can afford a $25 ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my Instagram right now. So I bought her a ring, 25 bucks. Wow. And I asked, are you going to be with me and we're going to go through this together and mm-hmm. I promise you give me five years and I'll yeah. give you a proper ring and I think like four years and something I got her a house wow wow I'm getting chills yeah so That's at that time she, I don't know why she believed me but she did yeah and so you know she still has that ring today 25 bucks Macy's yeah I proposed her with nothing damn yeah. That's and she's incredible. my co-CEO right now, yeah. running all key concepts. Yeah. Dang. Could you just walk us through a little bit more of like that low point? Because I feel like that's something a lot of people kind of deal with, you know, especially entrepreneurs. And like, I know for myself too, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And, and I yeah. have this discussion with Jeremy so many times and I feel like there's so many failures that come with entrepreneurship because you have so many ideas and I feel like ideas are you start it, you're excited and then something happens and you go into something else and like you feel like a failure so many times throughout yeah. this journey and like there's certain mo- moments where you wake up in the morning and you feel super confident, you feel like you could take over the world but there's majority of the mornings where you wake up and you're like, I don't even know if what I'm doing is is right, yeah. you know, and to, to speak to somebody who's been in that position and yeah. been able to flip that and be in the position you are now, could you kind of talk a little bit more about that and kind of what helped you continue to push through all of the difficult moments? One phrase, original intention. What was your original intention of doing everything? Right. What is your why? Mm-hmm. And that's why um, the book Start With Why has always been kind of following me. Mm-hmm. Um, during my lowest time not knowing what I wanted to do you know obviously I I do so many other things a lot of people think that restaurant to come naturally to me no I try selling (laughs) wallets Mm -hmm. I try selling POS system credit cards I try doing furnitures I name it all like I have so many things that I do Mm -hmm. and um you know, at my lowest, lowest point, I even do, um, you know, so I was a trash truck driver mm-hmm. for waste management for a while. So I did trash for a little bit and I did, you know, 7-Eleven, like Circle K. Yeah. Um, so, you know, crazy stuff like that. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I, I knew that I wanted to experience poverty. Right. I know that I, I wanted to feel so low that how would I feel when I have nothing? Right. Um, you know, and I think during that time is naturally that I can feel that way because my parents was just stopped talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I quit school, I stay back, and I, I had nothing else. I literally have no bed to sleep on. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and I didn't even have, um, you know, my car. That time, my car. That time was an Acura. I bought it for a thousand four hundred bucks. Wow, a thousand four hundred bucks, and it got me through all of it. Um, 
And so it was a, it was a lot. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot going on. But I always ask myself, why did I even start this journey? Why did I leave my country? Mm-hmm. And that was for one day. I, I want to make a difference. Right. I, I want to. So I feel like if at my lowest point, if I don't have, if I don't think back at my original intention, that that was my, like why I even started the whole entire journey, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't be able to come, th- like come through um, right. with all of these um, things that I'm doing right now. Right. Um, so every time that I wanted to give up, I look myself in the mirror and I ask myself, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Are you are you okay with this? Right. Like, look at yourself in the mirror. You're more of a failure to yourself than anyone else. Right. Why are you giving up? If I give up now, who's going to take care of the people that I want to take care of? Right. I was up on a balcony having a feast and people literally have nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. That's why you started this journey. And so pick myself up the next day and just try again. Yeah. I only stop when I stop breathing. Right, right. Right. And then so I think that kind of got me through all of it. And toward closer to um, 2014 and 15 is, you know, obviously looking at my wife and saying, I proposed to her with a $25 ring. Yeah. She deserves better. And now it's even easier for me because just looking at Kira and like right. I'm building this future for you. And I also want you to grow up in an environment where healthcare is a right, mm-hmm. not a privilege. Right, right. And so stuff like that, that was we pushed. And just last week, just last week, we finally pushed through. Um, and so my wife is leading that um, program. But we finally can say that everybody that working for Key Concepts can sign up for full health care, full oh, coverage. Wow. wow. Um, with dental and vision, 401k, all that's of that. Amazing. Dude, that's awesome. And then so for 600 employees and we're going to go into a thousand something plus employees. And I want everybody that come to OC to know that Key Concept is a place that is being built by immigrants. Right. Um knowing that you don't have to work for places that underpay you mm-hmm. you know we pay you right um and you're gonna have and you stick with us you can have a retirement plan right and the next thing that i really want to push for is maternity leave i feel like we need to take care of women because they are they literally giving us the, a future but because without them giving birth you know you literally won't have the next generation right you know, the old, I think the three things that you can do for your country, the first thing is pay your taxes. So all of our um, restaurants is 100% open book. Mm-hmm. So we pay 100% taxes. We we feel an obligation to pay taxes in full so that we all can enjoy the amenity that we're enjoying. Right. 911, the fire department, mm-hmm. the freeway that you drive on. Um, and so going back to that politician you know, kind of thinking that I feel like we should be more mindful of the community that you're building than just making money. And so every single dollar that we make, and I want everyone to know that the moment you walk into any of our key concept establishment, Mm -hmm. knowing that the sign on the door, no cash is for a reason. Right. Because we believe in everything in an open 
every single customer know that the moment you pay for a cup of coffee, you're paying for over 600 people healthcare. Right. And so that's to me was the original intention. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful, man. Are you guys hiring for our listeners you know, who are <laughs> hopping on LinkedIn for key concepts? But yeah. So yeah, if you ask me the reason why, I think that was because of the original intention of why I left my country in the first place. Yeah. And if I feel like if I choose Little Saigon, um, and I feel and why I chose Little Saigon too, this is literally the largest Vietnamese community mm-hmm. outside of Vietnam. And I feel like I'm obligated to make it better. Right. It is in my blood it's in my name literally in my name um that if i'm gonna do something it has to be for my community right um and i want Kira to grow up to having um, a female ceo is a norm mm. being a yeah. leader is a norm um again healthcare is a right not a privilege right right everyone should be paid a decent wage you know and so being a CEO doesn't mean that you get to have more privilege. You know, you know, everyone's the same. Income equality is one of my biggest uh, driving force. Gotcha. That's amazing. I know. Um, so while we're on this note, too, in terms of like being at your lows in 2018, correct me if I'm wrong, too. Uh, you have a restaurant called Vox. And at this point, in this news article on, I think, NBCLA or something. Yeah. They, they mentioned that, like, Vox was on its way of closing its doors. And then, yeah, like, what did you do to work around? Like, how did that situation happen? And then what did you do to work around that? So the partner I talked to you about, so at that house. Mm-hmm. So I went to that house. That house is actually um, by a friend. His name is Jung, right? But he has another roommate. And so the roommate actually has a boyfriend. And the boyfriend's name is Neo. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I met Neo. And Mm -hmm. me and Neo is now partner for Uh all of the restaurants. (laughs) And so Neo was um, a server at Soup. Mm -hmm. And he also loved the restaurant industry. And so we decided to do um, a restaurant here. Mm -hmm. And because we wanted to go back to Little Saigon so badly... I'm like, let's do anything you want. And at that time, like, okay, hi, Andy. But at that time, Andy was my motivation. Uh-huh. Because seeing Andy doing all these things, yeah. like this Vietnamese dude, just like <laughs> opening all these things, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I could be like Andy. I could do, you know, cool food too. <laughs> and then so we opened something called Pango. Oh, I remember seeing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Pango. Um, so Pango was in 2016, um, and I thought I would just do something really cool. And I got these like chef, uh, you know, uh. um, and thinking I can just do what Andy does, but no. Andy has a very strong following. He has a very cool, quick serve type. Like he's just a hipster, <laughs> uh, gangster of a, yeah. a restaurant tour. Like this is no one's gonna be like Andy. So. Mm. And this is for you guys, too, when you want to become the next Andy, per se, quote, unquote, don't. Um, either Andy or me would not want you to become anywhere like us. You need to find your own voice. Right. And so I didn't find my own voice at that time. I was trying to just mimic Andy, trying to do a copycat of him. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. Um, and so sale was plummeting. Um, and we are literally have about $2,000 left in the bank. Yeah. And so at that time, I was, I feel like a failure again. And mm-hmm. like, 
dude, like people trusted me. Neil trusted me. That's why he invested. Right. My wife, life saving. His, uh, her dad passed away. So her dad only left $50,000 for her, $50,000 for her sibling, her mm-hmm. brother. And so she invested all of her 50K on me. And like, I already did not buy her a ring. <laughs> now I'm like taking all of her money too <laughs> and my best friend money. And now it's oh, like, man. I have $2,000 left in the bank. Yeah, Literally $2,000 left in the bank. I felt like such a failure, um, you know, and I was like, dude, this is getting like bad to worse at that time. And soup at that time wasn't even making that much money yet. Uh-huh. Um, but I want to do um, things in Little Saigon so much that, you know, just because of my dream, yeah. I crush all of the money. And so I had to let all of the staff go toward the end of uh, November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that time, I was like, I don't know what to do. I I literally don't know what to do. Um, I wish you guys can see this, but I can only show it to you guys. So at that time, we decided to close the restaurant. Um, Ivy, my wife, got pregnant at that time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we're about to have a kid. You know, at that time, I was only making like 2500 a month. Mm-hmm. Her too, like 2000 maybe. Like both of our payroll combined is like 4500 And we have to pay for, you know, all the other expenses. And we have a kid on, in, you know. Right in a way and then we couldn't even pay ourselves yet because Pango was doing so poorly so we didn't pay ourselves. And so at that time she was like, you know what, just just close it. Just sell it. Mm-hmm. Um but I again like I was staying back at a restaurant looking at the empty restaurant every single day. Like I literally sitting at the restaurant, empty wow. restaurant. Yeah. Looking at it every day. I'm like I can't I can't. I can't give up. I. I can't do this. I can't do this to the people I love. Um, mm-hmm. So, I let all of the staff go. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I. I can't pay you anymore. Um, and then so I talked to my partner, Neo. And I was like, Let's just not what do Andy do. Like Andy is just so good at what he does that we can't do this. We have mm-hmm. to find our own voice. And so, Vox in Latin means voice. Mm. Oh. Wow, so that's where the whole inspiration and everything came yeah. from. So, and so we came back and with $2,000 left in the bank. And so after the, this month of rent, we're completely out. Right. So we have to literally tape everything up. And he was helping me <laughs> paint the whole entire restaurant again to a new layout. Um, and so don't listen to this, but like that's me talking to camera. Mm. literally promising myself that I was the only line cook at that time. So I was, so, and he has to go back to Vietnam for a little bit. So I was the only line cook, prep cook. Wow. Oh my kitchen, God. And server. So if customer come in at that time, I would greet them, sit them down, take their order, wow. go back to the kitchen, cook, bring it out. Cause we didn't, we couldn't afford anything. And yeah. I have a kid on the way. And so my, my wife was pregnant at that time. So she, and so that's the that's the ring that I told you the twenty five those rings. That, wow, she still got it. Um, she still has it. And so at that time, I was like looking at my kid, wow. moving around. I'm like, I promised her I would do something with my life. And so, um, and then so clip like this. 
where I just recorded myself being positive. Mm-hmm. Just as long as you're being positive. This is January. Um, so my this was the last day, January 10th. There was the last day that I call it Tango. Um, January 11th was going to be the day I'm going to call it Vox. Wow. Um, we didn't have money for signage, so we just put a banner up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we put a banner somewhere. Um, and I went to Ikea to pick up some random stuff. <laughs> uh, call a bunch of my friends and see if they have chairs and tables or bowls and plate that they don't use. Mm-hmm. I go back to my house and his house and we just try to grab. So that's why if you go to Vox at that time, all the chairs and tables are all different. different. Oh my <laughs> God. All different. That, that makes so much sense. And yeah. then they're all different. And then, um, you know, we didn't have a menu yet. And like, okay, what did we sell? Like, yeah. I don't know. And so I'm like, okay, well, my 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 wife is about to give birth. Um, I cook for my wife and my partner. So what do you like? What do you like to eat? Uh-huh. And then so he was like, okay, I like this, I like that. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna cook what you like to eat. Uh-huh. All right. So and then we we're just gonna call it, you know, like a comfort food kitchen. So anybody can come in and anything I have in my fridge. So I'm not nothing go to waste. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If I have extra of anything, I'll make it for you. Right. 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 Yeah, and pay me some, pay me whatever, right? Um, so we go to IKEA, and we buy our own paint, and and that's it. And um, you know, and so these are the first few dishes that we kind of come up with, like the spicy noodle, mm-hmm. and this is our usual Friday night <laughs> with nobody. <laughs> and you see the the sign, you know, we only have enough money to like fifty bucks to get the, like a sign. Yeah. So we got a sign, and that was just me in the kitchen. Um, and, um, so this day was the day that we're going to launch for public. So January 19th with, uh, so t- January 20th was the day that, um, you know, the first day that we're going to open as boss kitchen. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, on the way to work that day, I just, so I saw a bee just kind of landed on my uh, car uh-huh. and, you know, I was like, be a busy bee. You're just going to have to grind it, yeah. grind through wow. it. Right. Um, and that's it. And so uh, every day I come in. And so to try to come up with things to sell, it's almost impossible. I come up with all a bunch of different dishes. Um, and this is the craziest part. So during our low time, I was there by myself. Let me show you this. Um, so the roof was leaking. Oh, wow. Oh, man. So I had to hold a pan cooking and and figure out um, how to do with the, um, so I see a lot of picture of my wife at that time. So, oh, I wow. lo- so literally just dripping now, I was the only guy in the kitchen. Uh-huh. I have like two, three tables. I have to, I, so I have to cook, hold it on one hand so that the, the water doesn't kind of drip down. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, be a dishwasher and serve them all at the same time. <sighs> what? And I was the only person there. I didn't have a dishwasher with me. Um, and this is, even lower than the low. Like yeah. This is, yeah. This was extremely hard. And then my wife would like come by and kind of like cheer me up a lot of times. But yeah, so I literally just there um, to kind of grind it through. Um, I have a lot of support at that time from neighbors. So they just mm-hmm. come by. And it, this is uh-huh. my whole whole day sale would be like maybe 60 bucks or so. Uh-huh. Um, and so I remember the first month, uh, our sale was $3,000. Mm-hmm. Second month was about thirty or so the whole entire month, um, and now our sales is at about six hundred thousand dollars a month. <sighs> what? Wow. So and 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 the rest is just history. 
once everything kind of kicked back in and I still have chills to the I didn't know how I I do it but I knew at that time that either do or die right dang so I this is like super personal question kind of but it, uh in that interview too they mentioned that Sony Sony um, Sony Sunny, 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 Seven Leaves. Yeah, yeah, from Seven. They said that he gave you an advice. What was the advice? They, no one ever said what it was. He gave me two advices. The first time when I was at Supernova Bar, Supernova Bar was not doing well. Mm-hmm. So um, he came by and he said, "You have something special here. You should you should keep going with it." And so I listened. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, with this time, he actually asked me to just to sell it because it's just costing me way too much. Um, Pango. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time I didn't listen. The second time I actually strongly believed that if if I worked seven days a week, all day, every day, and just think of my kid every day, I'll I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't listen the second time. Dang. If I did listen, Vox would have never been here. All yeah. the other brands would have never been here. Man. Key Concept would never be here. And to paint you guys a picture, in 2020, fast forwarding, you literally opened the alley. So that's a boba shop, completely different industry. Some people will spend their entire Mm -hmm. lives trying to figure out how to open a boba shop. Kincraft Ramen, another alley in Vegas in Paluzzo, and another alley in Vegas in Paradise, and then an alley in Hawaii. So you've expanded that far. Another uh, soup noodle bar. Um, Nem or Gem Dining too, and it's like yeah, nap in the nap, morning. Yeah, like yeah. How did you? It's one thing to find one success, but how do you keep making successes after successes? Because personally, when I feel like I'm expanding on projects, the quality just starts dropping. What's your secret sauce? The team. It's gonna go back to treating your team the right way, mm-hmm. and truly believe in their capability. But also on top of that. You gotta marry up. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. your advice, folks. Yeah, I looked right there's at a lot of there's gotta a lot marry of energy. up. For anyone who didn't see, there's no visuals here, but he looked right at me. You know, I guess he knows that Jeremy has a wife, and I guess he knows I'm single. So, you know? <laughs> the intuition. Yeah. But wow, man, thank you so much for giving us your time. Before we let you go, because we know you got a few things coming yeah. up too. Um, for our listeners, for everyone struggling in that pivotal point, yeah. outside of original intent, is there any other advice you would want to give to anyone? Be a good person. When you when you live for yourself, is that's why I think. And so I actually had a couple of friends that suicidal. Um, one of my mentor, not mentor, but one I look up to, actually committed suicide. Chef um, uh, Anthony Bourdain. And so that's why we also have uh, Anthony Bourdain Fa that we kind of um, dedicate to him. And, you know, I think it's very easy for people to commit suicide because they they can't find a way out. Mm-hmm. And so being in this world right now is depressing. So if you live for yourself, it's very easy for you to give up. Right. But when you live for someone else, it is very easy for you to overcome hardship because you know that they count on you. Right. You can disappoint yourself. We disappoint ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. And that's easy. Mm-hmm. Because we know we can slide. Yeah. Right? We're not going to treat ourselves badly. But when you you look at your the, the the one you love, right? Your loved ones, especially your um wife, girlfriend, mm-hmm. kid, you can't look them straight in the eyes and tell you tell them that you try everything. Right. So 
by doing that, looking at all of my, I consider all of my staff my kids. And I can't, if I look at, if I look at them and I'll tell them that I already try everything, I'm lying to myself. Um, I can only say that when I can no longer move. So if I don't work seven days a week, cancel all of my vacations, work from opening my eyes to closing my eyes and be there when they need me, then I'm lying to myself when I say that I try everything. Mm-hmm. I did not. And so I have to try everything. So if I didn't try everything, then, you know, I would disappoint them. And I'm right. more scared of disappointing them than disappointing me. Right. And so that's the second advice. So original intention, but also just live for someone else. Yeah. Damn, that was really beautiful, dude. Amazing. Thank you again so much for giving us your time. We yeah. know you're a really, really busy guy. Uh, before yeah. you go, uh, where can people find you? Like social media platforms or any upcoming restaurant projects you want people to know of? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram. So uh, concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple. Um, and, you know, I usually share all of the upcoming things that I'm doing up mm-hmm. there. Uh, right now I'm at Kin. Kin just opened last week. So it's a little rocky right now. So I'm <laughs> there all the time. Kind of get it through. Um, we're opening an Italian restaurant in January. Uh, we're going to be um, advising for a lounge very mm-hmm. soon. Also opening in January. Uh, we're opening a coffee and bakery house oh, wow. um, in March. It's, everything is around here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also uh, opening more role. Uh, just, you know, we believe that role is a winning model. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're also having a 10,000 square foot space that we just signed. That one's going to be a seafood, hot pot, almost like X-Pot in okay. Vegas. Yeah. But we want to give a much more mm, approachable um, um, feel to it mm-hmm. and the design is going to be beautiful so those are the things i'm working on right now at the moment but we're also working on like fashion so we're looking on um having a uh f&b focus uh, mm-hmm. chef coats uh, okay. pants wow um, things that we really want to because i feel like it's not really focused enough mm-hmm. um shoes are very important to us to you standing on your feet so i want to design one of the best uh, fitting shoes for wow. fmb industry mm-hmm. uh, we also work on like sauces um salt different salt different sauces yeah um and uh, on the other stuff too like obviously we're working on um you know anything that is fmb related mm-hmm. um so we're um you know not to announce right now but you know i'm working something on youtube very soon oh okay. that's wow. exciting we'll be on the lookout for that too yeah yeah again Viet guys thank you so much for being on our podcast and thank you so much for giving us the time yeah we appreciate it man thank you there's a lot of good hidden gems in that one yeah, yeah. alright guys and never give up never, give, never up. give up never give up there's gonna be the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. every time as long as you don't give up there will be you will figure it out right if I can figure it out you can figure it out it's 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 just a matter of how bad you want it and I still remember my dad used to say too if you want something badly enough, you will get it. Right. But if you didn't get it, you probably didn't want it badly enough. There you go. So. There you have it. Thank Hell you yeah. so much. Man. Thank you so much, man. Thanks. All right. That's going to be it for this one, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Later. Thanks. Thanks, guys. And on one final note, just wanted to remind everybody that brand new episodes are released every Monday at 8.20 a.m. And while I still have your attention, if you've been enjoying these episodes, I just want to let you know that you can actually support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. You can go as low as 99 cents for a monthly contribution and all the way up to $9.99. We don't make any money right now, but every little bit helps and we appreciate any and all. 